You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Every house has a story. This one is yours. With its history shrouded by wild-eyed ravings and the scrawlings of madmen, it was thought that no one would ever know the unholy origin of the house on the hill. Until now. The history you tell is one you create. Journey back to the beginning of the horror as you create a unique story told through several generations of families obsessed with the house. Your actions will tell the murderous origins of its construction and uncover its darkest secrets as you and your fellow explorers follow a dizzying path of madness to the very root of evil. Will you survive the horrifying truth or become just another ghostly corpse in the House on the Hill's history? Based on the award-winning betrayal and House on the Hill, Betrayal Legacy is a unique experience offering you the chance to create the Iconics House's story through decisions and actions taken in the game. Once the campaign is complete, you'll be left with a fully replayable, customized board game. Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum. We're your hosts, Justin. And Ricky, and if you couldn't tell by now, we are finally going to start talking about our experience with Betrayal Legacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, going to do a bit of a review here with Betrayal Legacy. We're going to keep this as spoiler light as possible, um, at least what we don't really feel is giving too much away, so don't have to worry about turning off your ears. Uh, we will keep all the redacted things out of our redacted when we talk about the redacted. Another redacted just for good measure. Right. So, before all that, though. Roll recap. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go first because I haven't done a whole lot exciting because I've been all over the place since the last time we talked. Really? Yes. So, I did play um, Arkham Horror at LCG Night. Way to steal one from me. And that is all. Wow. That's... It's been it's been a little rough. Yeah, I haven't had time to play anything in the past two weeks. I've been prepping for a brand new D&D game, and I've played more games than that. And I've been painting. Yeah, I've got no real good excuses, Justin. I'm not saying that I have any good excuses. Okay, fair. So, since last uh, recording, we uh, I had a... We, we kind of brought it up, I bought, and started playing Catan VR. <laughs> so I played some Catan VR. Um, played the Arkham Horror LCG at our local LCG night. Um, had a dual session with uh, Gloomhaven. We are almost done with the uh, Seeking of Zorn personal quest. So really excited to see what we unlock with that when we retire the next character. That'll be our third one in, um, since we started. Then I practiced some more Pandemic because it's two weeks to Gen Con. Two whole weeks to Gen Con. And I need to make sure I know what I'm doing. Yeah, you do. Uh, tomorrow um, tomorrow we even have our planning session of what Arkham characters are we bringing so that we don't overlap. Um, bust out some Keyforge because we're going to be hosting a best of the worst mm-hmm. Uh tournament soon so it's gonna it's uh the archon reversal format where um you bring your worst deck or what you think is the worst deck or we say worst um 
most challenging to win, I think is how they actually phrase it in the formatting. But essentially, I bring the deck I don't think you can beat me with, and I give it to you to try to beat me with it. But you do the same thing to me by giving me one of your bad decks. So it's just it, it's just going to be a, a struggle. So get to, um, the whole idea is to get decks out there that are not so great or don't mm. see tournament play. Get them out. Get them used. Uh, and then one of the local players wanted to learn some Outer Rim. So on board game night last week, we uh, played some Outer Rim. It was very close. Um, the Bounty Hunters, uh, both myself as Boba Fett and another player as Bosk, had a very slow start, but we got very close near the end. Lando got away with it barely by like one point. If And it was also um, a random effect. Mm. Where like, okay, it, it, just like in Catan or any of these other like victory point games, like, oh man, that player's almost about to win. All right, what do we what do we do as a, the rest of the table to try to like pin wheel and, and, and spike their wheel? So we had um, the good doctor um, was our fourth player. He got a very early lead, was a, up to like six fame before most people had two. So a lot of bad stuff went his way pretty early on. Then Lando started getting fame and Boss started picking on him. And so much so that he blew up his ship, couldn't move anywhere, had a random encounter on the planet, which was a someone looking for a ship. Since he had upgraded to the YV-666, he was able to sell his ship for a fame, go back to a starter ship to win the game. Oh, wow. It was a random event. And what's funny is I was at uh, eight fame at that point. All I had to do as Boba Fett, because I had the uh, aggressor, IG-2000 ship. Mm-hmm. And I had a particular weapon upgrade. So all I had to do is blow up a patrol, which was in, like two spaces away from me, to get two fame out of it to win the game myself. So... It was down to the wire. Like that that was the last round. Nobody was going to if he didn't win randomly, I was gonna win two mm. turns later. So it was fun. Um and that was about it. Um been doing a lot of D and D prep because I'm starting a campaign for the local one of the local groups around here. And I've including been including me. I've been painting a lot of things that I can't talk about because you're in the room. Hi, Justin. We can talk about it next time. Because I think I might start incorporating some uh, recaps. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I'm still not sure on that because uh, we are doing the Water Deep Dragon Heist module. So I don't know if I want to. I'm going to think I'm going to try to like streamline the spoilers and kind of do like a highlight reel idea of like this is the shenanigans we've pulled mm-hmm. versus oh yeah we totally went to this guy and they went to this thing and did this. Um, and then we found out if you tickle him in his left armpit, he'll give you all the answers you need. Right. None of that. So, that's our role recap. Let's move on to... News. News. New, 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 news. Wow. Gen Con, two weeks. Lots of stuff. I'm expecting a lot more news dropping in the next two weeks because... Mm. That's usually when a lot of the embargoes drop off, and we start hearing a lot more about what's going to be there that isn't already known about. Mm, right now, a lot of uh, companies are still tight lipped with whatever kind of exclusives or whatever they're going to be showcasing, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stonemeyer Games, for example, is not showcasing anything new at Gen Con. 
but they're um, positioning to move a new game shortly thereafter mm. and kind of like not try to compete for the spotlight, I think is the idea there. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think we're going to see our Superstar Destroyer? See it? Yes. I should be able to hold one? No. Unless no. you unless you break into the glass case that they're going to showcase it in again. Very, very tempting. Meh. I don't know. Speaking of large ships, though, um, X-Wing 2.0 is getting epic. So they're releasing the Tana 4 and the Sea Rock uh, first for the large-scale epic ships, mm. uh, as well as a huge ship conversion. So those big, f- you know, four, if you already have them, Mm. Um, because there's also, um, your medium transport. There was also, um, the assault carrier and the star destroyer were all released Mm. in 1.0 and they haven't had any use in 2.0 yet other than like, no, no, they haven't had any use other than like you have an extra X-wing model. You had an extra, Mm. um, mini ship that whatever was packaged with it. So without having that, um, it's always been that question, like, are they going to do Epic? If so, when? So now, soon. And they've also released a, like, four-player variant where you can have multiple players. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, it could be a free-for-all or a team, and so everybody kind of gets their own corner of the board to deploy in. Um, the other thing that was very interesting that I liked was wings and squadrons. Mm-hmm. So... Instead of flying a swarm as a loose swarm, they actually have a template that you put against them, and the uh, squad leader is the one that reveals their maneuver dial and does that, and then everyone else kind of mirrors it. Mm -hmm. So it's a very nice and clean way of making it faster and easier for those small ships. A lot of rules are still to be determined. Um, I'd be very interested in seeing where... If you're still going to be required to take one of the large ships in your list, mm-hmm. um, you go up to 500 points now. So 200 point list is your standard X-Wing squad uh, dogfight. This is going to 500 for the Epic. Mm-hmm. So it'd be fun. Um, I'd like to see what sort of restrictions they have. If I can bring more than like eight Vulture droids and have like a true Vulture droid swarm, would be great. Mm-hmm. Um. Other than that. Vulture droid, vulture droid, vulture droid, vulture droid. Yeah. Vulture droid. It's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Now, the other uh, Fantasy Flight news that kind of dropped that I'm personally excited for, I think you are too, um, you shared the video of Matt Newman being lost, mm-hmm. uh, which was a very clever PR stunt for them and Mythos Busters to announce a new standalone. So. We are pretty hyped about it. Yeah. It's been a while since we see a standalone scenario. Um, uh, Gen Con and Arkham event, Guardians of the Abyss, kind of was the last one, but that was like a two-parter. Before mm-hmm. that, it would have been... Um, I really think the last standalone was... Um, um, Carnival Horrors, which was like the second one, and mm-hmm. like within the first six months of the game coming out. So... I think we've seen quite a bit of other stuff, and I would like to see some of these more standalone scenarios drop in. Because yeah. you can do a lot of weird, fun stuff with that. And with the Circle Undone, we've already seen where like haunt locations can, can be 
non-haunted then becomes haunted and there's like two versions of it things of that nature mm-hmm. so um they um fantasy flight also released information on uh the minds of moria and the blob that ate everything the two events they're running for um lord of the rings and arkham horror the card game showing uh showing off everything it comes with and i know we both talked about this i'm pretty hyped about the uh the blob they ate everything the poster the mm-hmm. the play mat that all looks beautiful um, I think my biggest concern about that is, is this going to be the same stuff that I get when I go to Arkham Knights? And then, again, in the Invocation Kit, mm-hmm. it's it's a t- mixed, mixed feelings because it'll, if it is all the same stuff, then there really isn't any exclusives, which means more people have more opportunities to get things. Mm-hmm. But for someone like myself who does end up hitting all three sorts of events or even multiple evocations because I got enough local uh, gamers around here, I kind of want to see some new stuff too. Mm-hmm. Give me a purpose to go. Yeah. But we will see. Um, I think that kind of does about the news for now. Um, and the Tabletop Arcanum news, I would say don't expect a regular episode in two weeks because we'll be at Gen Con. However, we do plan on bringing our recording equipment and doing some um, micro episodes mm-hmm. instead caps, yeah. to kind of recap our days and kind of, hey, check this out. Um, and especially if you're listening and you go to Gen Con, um, we might find something and tell you about it on day one where you can actually go and see it mm, we're on day d- two. They may be rough. We're going to do it as fast as we can, uh, fast and dirty just to get it up and out there. Uh, so you can hear it. Who needs sleep? Yeah, exactly. Also, if you're going to be at Gen Con and want to give us a high five or say hi, hit us up. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email. All the Tabletop Arcanums. Uh, everything at Tabletop Arcanum. Our email is tabletoparcanum at gmail.com. Thanks, George. Back at you in the booth. Back to you. Reporting in. This is Ricky. So, Betrayal Legacy. Let's talk about this thing. Oh, yeah, that's why we're here. Yeah. So, Betrayal Legacy uh, is Avalon Hill. Yeah. Um, like we said, uh, game designed by Rob Davieu. Right. This is the same designer who kind of birthed Legacy games. Mm-hmm. So, he started with the uh, Risk Legacy and Pandemic Legacy and Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Um in uh, Seafall, all mm. have been kind of under his belt. So he kind of created this genre of permanently marking up your game, ripping up cards, making hard choices, and, and literally crafting a game of your own. This is one of the first ones that was very interesting in the sense of Pandemic Legacy Season 1 does not leave you with a playable game at the end. Mm. Uh, season 2 kind of does the same thing. Risk does, but it's still Risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're still playing a core game as a betrayal there's all these different haunts that we never even saw in our playthrough of this mm-hmm. that we can bust out have our little features and go oh right that's remember when uh, you shot that Raven's Guard and mm-hmm. in there and that's why that place is super haunted so we actually have like this story as a group for us whoever if one of the four of us that or five of us that played this 
sits down with this copy, we have a live story of like, oh yeah, and mm. tell other people at the table. And it really is our own game at that point. Um, you play through. Hold on. So you start off. Uh, first off, it's a three to five player game. So it's just like uh, regular uh, betrayal in House of the Hell. Yep. Uh, they say seventy five minutes gameplay. And that is honestly, I mean, that may be how it is going forward. Some games no. that we played during it, no. No. Any Betrayal game is anywhere from like an hour to three hours. Okay, I was about to say, because when we played, some games were done in minutes. Some were done in hours. Right. So early on, and in, in, in the timeline on this one is very specific, because early on, um, the house itself only has like a handful of tiles that you can explore. You actually add new tiles to your tile stack mm. every, almost every game. So you keep unlocking more and more rooms and more and more stuff, and the house gets more and more expanded. So our early games were really short because the hunt would trigger sooner because we've explored, we've done what we needed to sooner. And then as we got more progressed and more timeline and more years went by, and the house has been built and rebuilt and expanded upon, that's when the games got longer too. Mm-hmm. So it definitely, take- like I remember our first couple, like we would block off a day, sit down, and we got through like three, four the first time, and then the second time we did like one less, and the next time we did like two less because the games kept getting longer. Mm-hmm. We'd play for the same amount of time, but the amount of games we could fit in kept getting shorter. Mm-hmm. Not a bad thing. It just be prepared if that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you play 14 total years. Um, there's like a year zero and then there's 13 chapters. And it takes you from the origin of the house in 1666 to 2004, gapping about 15 to 20 years per in between. So you kind of do a prelude chapter and then you do the rest. Um, 20, 2004 is a very specific year because that is actually the year Betrayal at House of the Hill came out. Mm. So, if you've played the regular game, it's kind of a throwback to the game. You know, you you mm-hmm. this campaign ends when that box starts. So you're playing the history of the house, uh, so much so that um, it really narratively brings you right to uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are specific rooms in the core box that. Um, we got to unlock or change and was like, oh, that's what happened. And our story is might be slightly different, but in our Betrayal Legacy game, we know why the collapsed room is a collapsed room. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to find that out. Um, we did have a um, one of the people who played with us, he's currently playing it with someone else or with another group. Mm-hmm. And he's having a completely different storyline. Yes. So who knows if he's even going to experience the collapsed room. Uh, they did. But they did. Okay. It is for a different reason. Oh, than interesting. So something else happened. Interesting. Because like Betrayal, the the haunt, so eventually something will trigger. You have your uh, a deck of cards, your legacy deck of cards, and it will tell you like, oh, when this happens, the haunt triggers, flip this over mm-hmm. and, and see what happens. And when you flip that over and you see what happens, it's like, it's just like regular Betrayal. What room did this happen in? Mm-hmm. Is it XYZ room? Oh, if it's XYZ room, it's uh, you do this haunt. If it's 
ABC room, you do this haunt if it's so each chapter had multiple um, haunts that could possibly trigger and you're not going to see them all. So you got this huge deck of cards um, they call the uh, purgatory deck mm-hmm. that you draw and, and, and as, as the game completes, you add and remove cards from your decks mm-hmm. based on what hap- what haunts you did, what triggers, what choices were made, who won, was it the traitors, was it the heroes? Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of fun going through that and I think it was um, pretty well done. It did have a lot of uh, times where we may have had to have paused, looked up a rule, tried to go for uh, Board Game Geek spoilers. By the way, the Board Game Geek uh, forums are very good at covering all the spoilers so you don't accidentally read anything. You click it and then you have to realize, that, yes, I'm mm-hmm. going to unveil this and yes, I'm going to see it and I n- mostly know what I'm getting into. Oops, that may have been too much. That can happen, but um, mm. Rob has been very keen on clarifying a couple different vague rules. It's it's no different than regular betrayal, though. There are some mechanics that are very un- innate. You know what they're supposed to do, and you're good. And then there's other things where, like, I don't know how this is supposed to work, and I can't really talk to anybody else at the table because I'm the traitor right now. Mm-hmm. So... It's a natural thing, and I think it's just a, it's an inherent flaw that's in the in the betrayal games, not necessarily a legacy flaw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, first impressions. Where do you think? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish we were able to power through all of it in one go, because it took us a few months to get through it. Only because oh, yeah. we'd have to meet like one sad or one Sunday every other. It's about once a month. Yeah. It was uh, about once a month we could be able to like set a Saturday, a Sunday aside and, and play for eight hours or so. Mm-hmm. But we did that for about five times. Mm-hmm. Which is realistically a lot of game for what you got in this box. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can continue to play it afterwards. Um, they did add in... Um, the helm, which was a yeah, the helm was interesting. Um, you eventually unlock it, and it's a thing that you can sticker, and you can once per game get a, like a re-roll by putting a sticker on it. And then there's only so many spaces. Um, not to go into too much more, but it, mm. it had a big narrative element attached to it too as the game progressed. It uh it definitely shook things up. Uh it a few times. Yeah. Um good and bad and everything just it was an, a nice addition to everything. Um the game um, itself, the story was fantastic. Yeah. Being able to go through it. Um They added callings. Mm. Um you don't get it in the first session. I think you get it in the very in the in chapter one. Calling, uh, because everybody's playing one of the five families, you get to name your family, there's what color you are, and mm-hmm. a symbol that's associated with you. So, like, if you're green, yellow, red, blue, or purple, like, you have a family crest and sticker, and that way mm-hmm. you know which family things are marked on. Um, but the callings were, like, a random card that was dealt to everybody, and it was kind of your um, character's 
background or history. You could be a war vet. You could have been a doctor, mm-hmm. um, a, a cultist. And it gave, gave you like a uh, some sort of power for that game. Yeah. And that Just was an extra my, little boost here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Yeah. Um, the other thing I really enjoyed is heirloomable objects. Yes. So you would um, pull an object. Uh, some of them would allow you to heirloom them for future games. F- future generations. Yeah. It's your, your, this generation, future generations. It's your family's lost uh, lost spectacles or your family's um, crossbow. Yeah. And and if you heirloomed it, it would. If you got it in the future, it would give you a bonus. It give you a bonus on that round. Right. You're only able to do it once per turn. But the nice thing too is once per game. Or, uh, yeah, once per game. Um, but going forward, if we were to play this as a regular uh, betrayal game, that family, that, that family would whoever's still, playing that family would, mm-hmm. if they pulled one of these heirloomed cards, would it would be better in their hands than someone who wasn't that family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it was, it's a neat little thing, and eventually you unlock um, later on in the campaign some because yeah, later on. Um, because there's so many of those stickers, or only so many of those stickers, there's some things that could be heirloom to two families. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting, too. Um, when you heirloom something, you also get to name it. So we had a lot of fun naming things as we went along and putting permanent markers to the cards. Um, one, mis- one problem we came across with the legacy aspect is when you die, you put a little ghost sticker... Mm-hmm. To mark that that tile's haunted. Those are stickers on the tiles themselves, which is all fine and good until you start shuffling them. By game 13 and 14, well, probably by game 10, some of those stickers were starting to be worn or peel off or, or have some sort of issue because you're shuffling a, a, a stack of tiles, stack of tiles, and all of a sudden, like, the edge of one tile is rubbing against that sticker, which mm-hmm. is protrusion. And now it's like tearing at it and trying to take it off. And there were more than just those um, ghost stickers. There are also those were the uh, ones that those are the main ones. Um, those, I do yeah. imagine in the future some we the, have some other stickers that may have issues just right. from shuffling. Right, they're just larger and weren't as easy to peel off just by I think, shuffling ones. I think that's what's going to save those stickers a little bit is because they are larger. Mm-hmm. Those little ghost stickers are like. Uh, they're the size dot. of they're the size of a an eraser, um, right. pencil eraser. So, if there was another interesting way that could have been handled, because there was each tile was only only had so many haunted spots on it, mm-hmm. so you can only put so many ghost stickers, um, like something to color it in. Or, right. That's yeah. why I was almost thinking like just leave those circles and then literally have you color it in or mark it in some other way to mm-hmm. say, yes, this is extra haunted. This is turbo haunted. Oh, our front steps. Yeah. Oh, that porch. I murdered everyone. And the front doorway. Like, yep. oh, God. We all like, deserved it. That is like the super haunted, like, front step and entry hall. No one messes with an old baby. Well, we all did mess with the old baby. And you all got what was coming to you. (laughs) It's true. Um, I had a lot of fun with this one. It's, I want to say, probably my favorite legacy experience that we've had. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've messed with Pandemic. I've messed with Risk. Risk felt like it was Risk with some 
rules changes and it, mm-hmm. it almost felt like it was 2210 one of my favorite risks of all time but it just was not I don't know it was almost too random with the legacy stuff this was a little bit more predictable and the, what you couldn't predict was going to be your standard betrayal stuff like what haunts are we doing what is the traitor up to why am I being shot with a crossbow <laughs> looking at you Ricky I'm all about that crossbow, the old baby crossbow. Yeah. Um, this is my first time doing a legacy game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say this is probably, from the sounds of it, this is one of the best ones out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to be let down by any other ones that I do. But at the same time, I will understand that. They're going to be different. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy. I really liked Pandemic Legacy as well. Mm-hmm. But for very different reasons. It was also unpredictable because it was that pandemic. Like, you can only predict so much on it. Um, And the story that we were told as we kind of went through it is great. I don't know if I could replay season one. I know I can replay Betrayal Legacy. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you said, we had one of our our, uh, players about three quarters of we're about halfway to three quarters of the way through R started with a second group and like he was like every time we sat it down, um they were playing a little bit slower. They were getting like one session every other or one game like every other week, maybe. That that rate was definitely slower than us, so we were definitely ahead of that curve. And he was just kind of like filling us in every time we got back together, like, yeah, we did this one and totally played out differently. I'm like, okay, cool. Um so I think it's a really cool um, game for that. Yeah, and I will say that for the cost of the game, I mean, I think MSRP was $75. You can find it in the $60 range, depending on mm-hmm. where you are, $50, $60. Um, for the money, you get a lot of game out of it. And it's one of those games that you'll keep wanting to play until you get to the end of it. And then once you're at the end of it, it's a normal board game. It Right. I don't know if I have a home for it as far as, like, I still have a lot of life left in my regular pandemic, or, no, sorry. I got a lot of life left in my regular traditional betrayal. Mm-hmm. And after completing chapter 14 and knowing the ending, like, I can put this stone away and I feel fine, but if we average that we played, oh man, I could probably pull it up, but um, 14 games... Um, we probably played like 40 to 50 hours worth of gameplay mm. out of this box, I would say. Um, definitely more in the later games because those were the ones that were pushing three to four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, where the first ones were like one to two. Mm-hmm. So, on average, I want to say we probably got like 40 hours yeah. easy out of this box. And for that price, that's pretty good. Yeah. And for someone, I don't own my own copy of uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Right. So if if I had a copy of this, mm-hmm. it would warrant me buying the Legacy because we can play through it, and then afterwards, I just have the game. You have a Legacy version yeah. of it, yeah. Yeah, that you could do a lot of fun stuff with it. Um, couple tips that we uh, I would say is if you're the type of Legacy player who doesn't like destroying stuff, you're going to have a harder time with this one. I would Ziploc things in a baggie or something that um, you're going to quote-unquote save because there's actually a game mechanic called the Tomb 
where you lift up the bottom of the tray and you stuff stuff under there, it's like a temporary out of game, but don't destroy it area. Yeah. Because you'll put stuff in the tomb and then eventually you might have to pull stuff out of the tomb. And you have no idea what's supposed to be there and what's not supposed to be there. Right. So at first I was kind of using that as a staging ground for like, okay, this is stuff that's just out of the game and it'll tell us. And it does, but doesn't tell you very clearly what's supposed to be in there. Yeah. And we had a good um, three rounds in a row where it kept telling us to put something into the tomb. Oh, yeah. And then the next game would start and say, pull these out of the tomb. And it's just like. Seriously? Okay. I mean, you could just say, don't put that away because you're going to need you're, it. You're going to need that very soon. Yeah. But, you know, you never know when that was going to be the last time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a really interesting finale. And I don't know the if it's just The finale that we had, yes. Um, because I believe that there was well, there's some, a certain there's... point that things drastically changed for us. And right. I can't say it on here. But I think because of that, it changed our entire outcome because we were yeah, on a completely different path. There was definitely a multi-game finale. It built mm-hmm. up. So uh, as it was doing something, it was like, okay, this was cool. And then the next section, we had a very similar thing go on, but it wasn't exactly the same. Like, okay. Mm. And I think that's when we all figured out, like, I think it's trying to, like, build us up for something. Mm-hmm. And then we did it a third time. And then it was like the finale after that was like the big hurrah. Um, and knowing what we, you know, with some retrospect, like we could have probably power gamed it a little bit, knowing mm-hmm. that and playing another version of this. I might try to do that because see what happens. But it was still so much fun. Mm-hmm. I liked it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I would recommend Betrayal Legacy if you are. Um, you need to find people who are going to be committed to it. Yes. Um, it is good with a core group of uh, friends who would get together on a regular basis to play. Yes. Um, I would not recommend this for people who drop in and drop out on a Legacy game. Mm-hmm. Some of them are better than others at this. Um, Charterstone is actually one of the ones that's a little bit better for drop and drop out. Um, pandemic, not it doesn't really penalize you so much because it's like okay, this is what happened last month in the last month that we played, mm. and this is what we're working with now. I don't know how this game would have felt. I it would have felt very differently had it been a player not show up. Mm-hmm. It would have felt very different if we had a no, new player who hadn't played the first four games drop in. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would suggest if you have a, let's say five, four player, four core players and one player who's there sometimes, sometimes not. See if you can track them, you know, pin them down. But if not, I would not fill their seat. Mm-hmm. If they are going to be absent, I would just play without them and play with four players as opposed to five. The game scales just like regular Betrayal does, so no worries there. It just, I think the story and the things like that, that's just the year that that family didn't show up at the house. Yeah. Makes narrative sense. Opposed to, oh, then, I don't know. Then I'm thinking, like, how fun would it be if you just played a different set of players each time and. 
confuse them the entire time? No, like this is this, all you get is the back of your card that said like this is your family member, uh, family member who was murdered by a ten year old with a crossbow. Yeah. It is now 1964, 30, you know, almost 30 years later. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Because um, that was the neat thing is, like, I can look at the back of all our player boards, and actually we, we wrote notes to, about what happened to the fate of each of those characters. It's a lot of fun. You can actually carry characters over if they don't old age. We had one person that could have been, like, 106 because they just kept living. I think it was, like, over three generations, and it would have been the fourth generation. He's like, you know what? I don't think so. He's retiring. <laughs> We're going to retire. He went home. Yeah. It was nice. So, um, I yeah. So, core players, dedicated team, definitely going to get your best experience out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, walk into it. If you've already played Betrayal, you know some of those haunts just don't mechanically spell things out very clearly. Mm-hmm. This is probably the best Betrayal rules set out there. But there are still, with so many variables of the different haunts, you can only account for so much in the rules without spoiling stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the, the other games have problems with, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about it for our review of Betrayal uh, Legacy. I would say definitely give it a shot if you have some friends that you're trying to entertain for many hours on end, or if you want to get a group together on a regular basis to play through something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had the best approach uh, for our group is was just like set up a day about once a month mm-hmm. and just say, this is what we're playing all day. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm busier than most, most people. So trying to, I'm the one that you have trouble pinning down. Yeah. Um, but we made it work. We, we would plan everything out a month in advance. We'd play the game. And then as, after Before we, we the left, game, we had the next day yep. locked in on everybody's calendar and went, okay, in three weeks we're playing again. Yep. Um, we also like had fun with it because we rotated who hosted. We ro- had like food planned. We, mm-hmm. we made events out of it. It was kind of yeah, fun. We'd break for lunch, break mm-hmm. for dinner, um, break to break because sometimes you would get through and all of a sudden everyone was murdered and you just need to walk away for a few <laughs> minutes. <laughs> all right. So uh, next time we again, like we we'll, said, we'll be at, at the, Gen Con. Yeah, we'll be at Gen Con. So you can expect. Um, some real quick um, small episodes just going over what we experienced during the day. Um, we will be out there Wednesday, August 31st. July 31st. July, thank you. What I, oh, August. No, yep, Wednesday, July 31st. Almost at August again. Um, for our in-flight report. Yep. So we'll see what the fancy flight has to say about that. I believe they're live streaming that one. They did last year, so I'd imagine they do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll at least uh, be able to talk about what we saw while there. Um, we may even try to go play some games since we have a uh, pass to the... Oh, that's not open on Wednesday, is it? Nope. That opens Thursday morning. We'll bring some games. We'll figure it out. Might do an escape room, though. That's a plan. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We'll find out. Um, yeah, so playing board games, lots of stuff. Um, I'm personally in the Pandemic Survival Tournament, so we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. We've got a Lord of the Rings event, Arkham event. Um, 
some seminars and other things. So maybe we'll learn something about podcasting (laughs) from other people and incorporate into our show. Who knows? Probably. Maybe maybe it'll make you guys want to listen to us. Who knows? Yeah. You missed the collective shrug me and Justin just had. It was very collective. Yeah. So... We're just going to play as many games as we can, try to see everything new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty tall order, but we'll do what we can. Divide and conquer. Yes, sir. And we've got a decent size, a decent size group going this year. Um, benefit of that is we'll all recount it like dinner or lunch and things like that. We'll, what we, we tend to do as a group is have like shared meals and then it's like, oh, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you mm-hmm. see this? And then kind of like sh- on, after day one, like, oh, we've, you know, I, I, we've explored this corner. You've explored that corner. And all of a sudden, like, we share notes and figure out who wants to see what next and mm-hmm. move on. Um, I know our friends um, from Studio Gate will be there. Um, I'm also going to be checking out Crafty Studio or Crafty Games, which um, – they have, I believe, the new Mistborn expansion is going to mm. be shown off there. And they're going to be showing off the fancy metal dice for the Allomancy. Ooh. That's a super nerdy thing for me with the Brandon Sanderson novels. So I may be talking to them for a while and just having my geek on. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm going to be exhausted. I specifically took Monday after off to sleep and recover. I didn't because I'm an idiot. Well, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I might die. But so, yes. And as always, thank you for listening. Always check us out on all the other fun social medias. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you have any questions or you want to talk to us about anything at all, always hit us up at tabletoparcanum at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe. All that fun jazz, and thank you for listening. Indeed. Thank you very much, and that is going to be it for Tabletop Arcanum this time. We'll see you at Gen Con. You've been listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.